from the Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics podcast. With your hosts, David Pizzuto. Smith with a wide open Palinkovic to her left. Palinkovic one-on-one against Mike Camp and it's in. Versada Palinkovic from Narmina Brachic all sprung off the little tap in the backfield by Laval. A great one, two, three punch for the Dolphins, and they're up one nothing. And Joseph Foreman. And the 2-2 is hit out to left center. And if that one gets to the wall, this game could be over. Cutting it off is Windsor. It gets away from him. Here comes Miola. The relay throw to the plate. Not in time. And the Dolphins win it in the bottom half of the ninth inning. A walk-off RBI double off the bat of John Pomerico. And the Dolphins win it 2-1. to one. In-depth stories, reviews, and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now for the Dolphin Pod, here are your hosts, Dave and Joe. And welcome in to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. This is episode 24. We are premiering on June 19th, 2020. David Pizzuto uh, broadcasting from my home in South River, New Jersey, being joined as always by Joe Foreman. Joe, welcome to the show. And once again, Dave, I am broadcasting from Staten Island, New York, just a few blocks away from CSI. And if I'm not mistaken, New York has entered phase two, which may mean that 1R could be a little bit closer to opening for business. We'll see if that happens in the next couple of weeks. But it looks like we're trending in that direction. And as always, I'm happy to be on the Dolphin Pod. Yeah, and the Dolphin Pod is is serving as a medium of sorts for, um, you know, counting down when we will be back uh, in the office. Uh, obviously, Joe mentioned Phase Two. There are certain parts of of the the city that I'm understanding are uh, about to enter Phase Three, and you know whether it's you know Phase Eight or or not. Obviously, there are some some things going on with athletics in general. We know that professional sports teams are starting to uh, formulate what their seasons will look. like like and it's been trickling from there with the NCAA as well and a lot of what the NCAA and our conferences the ECC um and the City University of New York school system, some of the things that they decide obviously will um, will give us indication of whether we'll get to do this shows like this in person or not. But for now, we keep it social distance. And Joe, we have a a kind of a um, a, a different take on the Dolphin Pod. You know, this is our twenty fourth show. It's the first time it'll just be you and I on the show. No guests today as we sort of introduce our summer top 10 countdowns that are coming up. We we uh, debuted one this past week on Tuesday and then uh, obviously simultaneous to this going off the air, we're debuting another one in Flashback Friday. So a chance for us to let our listeners know what to expect throughout the summer. And of course, uh, counting down some of the biggest events that happened during provisional year one as an, NC, uh, as an NCAA Division II institution. We often talk about how we could spend an hour on the air with our guests, but I know for a fact that you and I could spend plenty <laughs> of time on air talking CSI athletics or just about anything, really. It has to do with sports, but we'll try and keep it within the 45-minute time frame for all of our listeners this week. We have a couple of Sportsnet Top 10s, or I should say, events that just missed our Top 10. We released a pair of those on Tuesday, and then as you just mentioned, we're debuting Flashback Friday with the Dolphin Pod for the next now 10 weeks beyond this one moving forward, our near misses debut this week, so 11 weeks total, but we'll have a new Flashback Friday event or moment on our countdown each and every week on the Dolphin Pod. So be sure to stay tuned for those. 
Yeah, so obviously we'll run those uh, dolphin pods concurrent to, to um, you know, the whatever the next number on that list. And I've always really liked these top tens, Joe, because it's a chance for us to count down the summer. And nobody likes to know that there's only a week or two left in the summer, but uh, it's kind of a, a a mile marker, if you will, to count down how much more time we we are allotted um, to kind of play in the sun. Uh, obviously, that takes a different role this year, but um, the hope, as always, is that. After we debut number one, the next week, we have real athletics going on at CSI. Now, that's obviously a big question mark, but that's one of the reasons why I really like uh, these countdowns. One of the reasons why our listeners should stick with us throughout these next 10 weeks, uh, you know, as we debut them, it's it's something to reflect upon. And that's the other part of it. It's a reflection on what happened uh, over the past year, a chance to really appreciate uh, what's happened in the past so we can then jump off, um, you know, for the future, uh, you know, anew. So, you know, with that in mind, Joe, as as we wrap up our initial segment and, and start to dive into more of the Sportsnet stuff, what are some of your major takeaways from, from year one uh, in Division Two? Well, year one in Division Two, we saw our teams face a level of competition that I haven't seen many of them face up until this point. Of course, our team's Always scheduling tough, but those games against Division II opponents were dates that I know we circled on the calendar up in the office, and those are some of the games that I know our athletes look forward to most as well. And they were also some of our best games of the season. On top of it, we had men's basketball picking up a win over Division II opponent at home. Of course, other teams picking up D2 wins at home, but those games played at the College of Staten Island were extra special, one of those being against the New York Institute of Technology men's basketball picking up the win in that game. Of course, a fellow ECC conference member as well, NYIT. So the Dolphins are the big win in that game. But those are dates that we specifically circled on the calendar, and it made for some very entertaining athletics throughout the year. But also, I know you and I will talk about it a bit more later in the show, but some of the increased work we've done on social media and through our website and promoting the move to Division Two and offering new content to fans of CSI Dolphins Athletics was a highlight of the year for me as well. And I think things like the Coaches Show, the podcast, serve as great recruiting tools that is something that's more of a focus now with the move to division two recruitment and having that process that our coaches are going through and trying to bring on the most talented student athletes who fit our program that they can and being a part of that effort certainly something that i take great pride in i know you do as well yeah for sure and and uh i'm with you there with all the new programming that that we introduced and that's a product of course of not having you know post seasons and maybe some extended pre-seasons uh, because of that, a chance for us to kind of dive into new content. I know when I was, you know, I was asked by friends when we made this move to Division Two, it was such a big deal when it happened. Like, wow, you must be so much more busier now. And and I'm like, to be honest, my my job, my day to day, doesn't really change all that much. Games are still games. Stats need to be taken. Uh, you know, the the uh, the streams still work the same way. And but what changes is the stories that we have to tell because we'll be getting. Uh, athletes from from different areas, from different walks of life. Soon we'll have scholarship athletes on campus that are coming from different places. And we need to tell those stories more. And we need, uh, in year one at least, to tell the story of our coaches more and what goes into this move. It's not exactly flicking on a light switch and all of a sudden, hey, I'm a Division II coach or I'm a Division II player. It's about all the stuff that happens behind the scenes that goes with it. And I'm glad we were able to tell uh, that story. And, you know, one one real thing that stands out to me this year, I think 20 years from now, when I think of, you know, 2019, 20, I think one of the things that I'll think about, I'll think about this show because I really, I really appreciate it. To me, this show uh, 
has been more than what I expected it would be. Uh, but I also think about the walk with that we've done. That was a two minute, uh, you know, a 90 second to two minute thing that we did with a member of the CSI men's and women's basketball teams. And what I'll take away from that, those, Joe, is that when we first approached the, the kids about doing that with us, we got the most frightened looks you can imagine. We got no doubt. We we got you know part of my French. Hell no, yeah, I'm not doing that. And at the very end, we we started to get some smiles and we started to get some people approach us and be like, "Can I do it today?" And that really warmed me up because that really shows me that what we're doing is appreciated and it's something that we're looking forward to now. And and that you know, to, like to me, those those are the real great moments of of doing what we do and and um, and of course the content itself was good. You know, the music was good. The stuff we spoke about was good. You know, Shamal Martin in the background. <laughs> you know, of those men's one. You know, those 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 are great. You know, that that's what I'll take away. So yeah, year one was fantastic, and and for our own self. And those were things that I'll, I'll that stick with me and will remain with me. And there are so many stories behind some of those walkways and our my D two stories as well. I remember in one of the D two stories, I was mounted on the back of our cart filming on the track. As I think it was the Cali Long Callie, story, yeah. we had yeah we had her running on the track, and I was mounted on the back of that cart, <laughs> and you were driving forward as we were following that. And in, in that same D two story, we ended trying to shoot penalty kicks and. Let's just say I, I don't have the talent for <laughs> soccer. It's really talent dissipated now for me when it comes to any athletics at this point. But definitely soccer, not a skill I have. And with the walk with that you mentioned, I would go into the gym each time looking for someone to participate. And, you know, you'd get you'd be met with dead silence. You could hear a pin drop in the gym once I walked in with the camera. So I would just scream <laughs> top of my lungs. All right. Who's doing the walk with today? And Usually we would get someone. But. If we didn't, in the very beginning anyway, we'd have to volunteer someone or have the coach volunteer someone for us. But as you said, they warmed up to it quite a bit moving forward. We got some volunteers and some of the outtakes from the walk with. So there weren't too many instances where we had to re-record. There were some, and the outtakes are also something that I'll remember. And some of those videos we had up in the office, we got to go back and play again, put a smile on my face every time. So plenty to look back on with fond memories in terms of not only the athletics, but in terms of the content we created as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned outtakes because there's plenty of things that do go wrong, uh, you know, with us as well. And I remember the one time that um, that Chris, our, our intern, did the camera work for us where it looked like we were on a roller coaster ride. And, and that was one where we needed every kind of dynamic effect in post-production to to slow the the movement of that <laughs> camera down. So, uh, yeah, so so grateful for uh, for Chris for helping us out that day. But certainly it, it does take a fine hand. It, it certainly does. And that was a skill that I acquired over time. Early on, I, I tried to take it a bit slower walking backwards with the camera and you never really know who's behind you. And I did lose my footing with the camera one time in one of the walk lists, but I don't know if it was the magic of editing or maybe it just wasn't as bad as I initially thought. It didn't really come through on the final product. So that was good. But w walking backwards with the camera and trying to keep everyone in frame without too much movement, not an easy task at all times. So I can see how Chris may have had a bit of an issue, but I did go back and rewatch that walk with and going back on replay, you can tell exactly which one it was. I won't say it, but it, it was definitely something that I have to say made me laugh a bit going back. And I appreciate Chris's help throughout the year, but that was certainly a moment I look back on with some humor. Yeah. And the walk with was just many things that we did on CSI Sportsnet 
this past year. And this past Tuesday, we started our CSI Sportsnet Top 10 Countdown with uh, ones that, as Joe mentioned, were on the outside looking in, uh, numbers 11 and 12. So why don't we do this, Joe? Let's take a break, come back, and we will focus on uh, moments number 11 and 12 from that countdown. Talk about some of our highlights from CSI Sportsnet this past year, what the future of CSI Sportsnet has in store as well. So let's take a break. When we come back, Joe and I discuss the Sportsnet Top 10 Summer Countdown. It's all coming up right after this. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder. Because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division Two, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod, episode 24 here in late June, June 19th, 2020. Uh, Joe and I are on uh, solo today, no guest, uh, as we kind of um, introduce what we're doing over the summer. And one of those things that we are doing over the summer, as we promised you on the reverse side of the break, was our Sportsnet Top 10. It's first time we're doing it. Um, so every Tuesday over the summer, we will debut uh, a number on the countdown counting backwards, obviously, from 10 through 1, of the most watched Sportsnet episodes that we have. Now, uh, most to all of them will concentrate on specific games, and numbers 11 and 12 didn't make that list, but we debuted those this past Tuesday. We had men's basketball in a showdown against a future ECC rival uh, twice a year from here on in. Uh, They met once this past season. It was their game against St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, and then you had women's soccer, uh, their senior day, their final game of the season it was a tough loss against NYU, but it was a very special pregame. And probably that was the highlight uh, of that game because we got to say goodbye to some amazing seniors who have been with us and have known only only championships since being at CSI and uh, kind of an unblemished uh, CUNY championship run as well. So, uh, Joe, two great highlights from CSI Sportsnet. Certainly. And that game against NYU, the first game on our countdown, so I'll jump right into it. That game was 0-0 at the half. It was yep. a scoreless game at the break. And the Dolphins did only have one shot in the first half of that game. NYU had eight, but the Violets really broke it open in the second half and ran away with the 5 nothing victory. That being said, you did mention the senior class that we honored in that game. So for the Dolphins, 
graduating five players, many of whom knew nothing but CUNYAC championships during their tenure. A couple were first-year players with the team, the Jet Hassam and Rita Henriquez, then Natalia Sandor, Nicole Mignon, Rebecca Deloya, and Lisbeth Aparicio winning CUNYAC championships every full season. They were a part of the team ahead of the 2019 season, of course, the Dolphins not being eligible for the postseason last year. So we said goodbye to some great players who have had a tremendous impact on our program. Unfortunately, they weren't sent off for the win, but still attracted more eyes on that broadcast than many of our other events this year, earning number 12 on our countdown. Yeah, and I, I definitely got to give a, a, a definite uh, shot in the arm to our women's soccer program. You know, Joe, when when you're the class of CUNY for so long and then you know, you get told you're moving up to Division Two. Uh, it immediately put a bullseye on their back uh, from the first game to their last game, and everybody wanted a piece uh, of this team. And the Dolphins, you know, I think ended up finishing one game below 500 this year, and that was kind of an anomaly for us. But it was set against the backdrop of a very difficult schedule. We forget that CSI lost a one-goal game to Queens College. Uh, they lost a one-goal game to Concordia, two Division Two teams, where we gave them all they can. Ha- all they could handle. You could make the argument that the game against Concordia was a game they should have won. Um, but, you know, regardless, they they had that bullseye on their backs. They kept NYU to 0-0. NYU, um, you know, scored a goal there. It allowed, you know, it forced CSI to play, um, you know, offensive the rest of the way to try to get the equalizer. But NYU took advantage and, and ran away with it. But it was the final chance we got to see. You mentioned the, 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 the four big stars that day, and that's, you know, Lisbeth Aparicio, Nicole Mignon, Rebecca Deloya, and Natalia Sandor. Uh, we got a chance to, to talk with Rebecca and reminisce on her days as a Dolphin um, and, you know, her first coming here, obviously under Giuseppe Panetti and finishing up her career the final two years under Brittany Caceres and, you know, her being able to nurture a lot of the other players in the team and, and really switch over from defense to offense, which we saw in that game against NYU. And then you have the very soft-spoken Lisbeth Aparicio, who we featured on a flashback Friday a couple of years ago when she almost single-handedly won a CUNY championship for the Dolphins. She scored two goals in a 2-0 win over Lehman. And then Natalia Sandor, we featured her during the year for her business enterprising skills. Uh, That was a big feature on CSIDolphins.com. And then you have Nicole Mignon, spent the first year of her career, Joe, as a goalkeeper, almost predominantly led the Dolphins to a championship that year. And um, and since then, really, um, you know, occupied a lot of the the frontline work and, and, and the middle. So four dynamic players, you see them all over the pitch, rarely miss the game. And uh, it was great to give them the send-off in those pregame ceremonies, which are, of course, uh, on CSI Sportsnet. You know, and you mentioned Nicole Mignon very briefly. I, I wanted to issue a thank you to Nicole for an email that she sent us during the offseason. I actually had it forwarded to me from another member of our staff, Joe Mashes. You and I were included on the original email, but with the incorrect suffix mm-hmm. attached to our email addresses. But Nicole sent an email to our entire department thanking us for her experience, saying it wasn't lost on the student-athletes. So I wanted her to know how much we really appreciate that. If she's listening, hopefully at some point she does hear this. But we do want to say thank you for that email. We really appreciated hearing from you. And I, as I said, I got it a bit late because it was forwarded to me from Joe, but I appreciated that email. I know you did as well. And you mentioned Natalia Sandor's business enterprise as well. And that just goes to show too, that our student athletes are much more than athletes. And that's something that often gets lost when we focus on our flashback Friday moments and Sportsnet top tens and all the other content that promotes their achievement on the field of play. We did promote some content throughout the year that highlighted academic achievements as well. We saw some more of that 
last week with swimming and diving, releasing their team GPAs, the men and the women both with stellar performance in the classrooms, a couple of 4.0s between those two teams as well. But going back to the broadcast, not just senior day that highlighted that broadcast, but I know that you and I went back and rewatched that one a couple of times throughout the broadcast. We heard Mike Debusky offer a send-off to a couple of players that he'd been covering for four years late in that game. He highlighted Aparicio and Deloya. And then at halftime, we had a bit of an unexpected halftime show at one point. I know that's something that put a smile on my <laughs> face going back and watching it. Our engineer, Ricky Keeler, working with the equipment at one point triggered the webcam. So you got to look behind the commentary desk for a few moments there at halftime of that game against NYU. And I know that's something we went back and watched and it put a smile on our faces. Yeah. And <laughs> I hate to say it, but the 300 plus views that that video got, I'm pretty sure a few of them were just us going back and watching that clip over and over. It was pretty funny. It was an Easter egg that uh, maybe a lot of people haven't seen, but that probably should. And it, it just goes to show the the amateurism that's involved in what we do. Uh, sometimes it's a chance to cut our teeth doing these type of broadcasts and and people do appreciate it. And, and those are the things that that keep levity to a situation. But, you know, while we're doing something phenomenal, it's also a chance to kind of say, you know what, we're ironing out the kinks, we're doing the best that we can, and we're putting a great product out there, but not without a couple of hiccups every now and then. Yeah, that certainly does happen. And looking back on my time here at CSI, there's one broadcast that I remember where there was an issue, not like that one, where we had a camera about face and give people a peek behind the desk. But <laughs> over at baseball, I remember doing a game alongside Bobby Drake. And at one point in the comments section, we had people clamoring saying, you know, it'd be great if we could hear you over the commercials. So I thought they wanted us to stop playing commercials and go commercial free. Turns out that for about maybe two or three batters, we had commercials playing over our voices. So mm -hmm. while I was saying that the viewers wanted to hear more of Bobby and I. They just wanted to be able to hear us at all over the commercials. So stuff like that does happen, but it's something that we can look back at with a sense of humor from time to time. And that's just one instance that I can recall from a broadcast that I was on. But this game during this past season, that incident with Ricky was something that, again, as I just said, I can look back on with a sense of humor. It's all part of ironing out the kinks, as you said. But back to the game itself and to the conclusion of the women's soccer season, you said how women's soccer played a couple of one-goal games against some very tough opponents during this year, Queens College being one of them, Concordia being another, once again, very successful against the CUNYAC. The lone blemish, if you can call it that, was a tie against John Jay. And I need to go take a look back at the box score from that game. I have it right in front of me. I wasn't sure if the Dolphins were able to tie that game they late or if they were leading. Yeah. They yeah, did tie a, it late. Yeah. I wasn't sure who scored that late tying goal, whether it was John Jay or CSI. So the Dolphins narrowly avoiding a defeat at the hands of their conference rival in what would go down as their final game against the CUNYAC opponent. But still, a very entertaining season for CSI women's soccer. Several entertaining broadcasts along the way. The game against NYU didn't make for a very competitive game or a thoroughly entertaining broadcast, especially during that second half. But we mentioned the highlight of that game, the honoring of our seniors before kickoff. And I think that's something, in addition to the blunder that admittedly you and I went back and watched several times, but Senior Day always makes for a highly viewed broadcast, and I think that's a big reason why so many eyes were attracted to that women's soccer game against NYU.
Definitely, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned Nicole Mignon's, you know, letter to us. Absolutely. We really appreciate that. Nicole was the winner of our Bill Cali John Scrivani uh, Sportsmanship Award at the year end uh, quote unquote banquet where we, um, you know, put those out on on social media and of course through our website but that's a really high honor um and of course it's because of things like that simply doing things behind the scenes uh really anything that we've that has ever been asked of nicole uh she's done including at one point uh running uh cross country and track and field. So um, I think that was not this past year, but the year before. So uh, just tremendous job by those, by those ladies. And, you know, that was number 12, Joe. And then number 11, we came inside uh, just about a month later uh, where CSI was hosting a perennial division two power and definite ECC power in St. Thomas Aquinas college, um, you know, expected a, a, a war there. The Dolphins uh, had recently picked up a win against NYIT. St. Thomas had started out the season four and O and then they had dropped a, a, a tough game to Dominican coming into that game. Um, I wasn't there for that game. I was actually home for that game uh, with my children. I was watching that game on Sportsnet. So I saw the broadcast. You were there courtside. What were some of your takeaways? Well, the Dolphins getting a look at St. Thomas Aquinas for the first time since going division two and Leading the way for them offensively, as was the case in many games this season, Adiola Latunji played all 40 minutes, scored 22 points on 7 of 13. And I think one of my big takeaways from that game is the Dolphins really settled down yep. beyond the halftime break. It was a rough first half for the Dolphins. They were outscored by 14 in that game. But coming out of the locker room, CSI appeared energized, and they played a much stronger second half in that game. But taking a look down the line, they were really unable to get within striking distance at any point in half number two. I don't see them any closer than about 16 points in the second half, but they really traded blows with the Spartans in the second half and were able to go back and forth and avoid falling behind by a greater margin than they faced in that first half, especially in the latter portion of half number two. But I think games like this where the Dolphins were dealt a major blow in that first half, trailing by 14 entering the locker room, really helped build the character, or I should say build upon the character that I know this team had from the start as they faced some very tough opponents early on. I was with the team in Florida when they suffered some lopsided defeats, and they were able to bounce back from that, keep their heads up, and maintain the portion of the season. But something else that I look back at this St. Thomas Aquinas game and remember was a video promotional package I put together before the game, one of the favorite pieces I've produced during my year as assistant sports information director. And I think I titled it Welcome to Victory Boulevard, but it included some clips from head coach TJ Tibbs' preseason interview, some Sportsnet clips from Adiola Tunji scoring his 1,000th career point. You had the call on that moment, and also a big Rigo Destine 3 called by Mike Babuski, and of course a clip from Rigo that ended the little video package that welcomed our listeners to that particular broadcast to Victory Boulevard. She said something to the effect that this is Victory Boulevard. We need to defend home court. I know a lot of our staff like that line. I made a point of featuring it in that video package promoting this game as well. And unfortunately for the Dolphins, they weren't able to deliver on the hype leading up to this game with the final result, but they certainly gave a good accounting of themselves in the second half of that game, really battled against the Spartans and played to, I believe, only a six-point deficit half number two. And I think the success they had later in the season is due in large part to the experience they gained playing the Spartans in this game and facing some increasingly tough competition throughout the early portion of the season. 
Yeah, and I think if if you take a look uh, at the men's basketball season itself, Joe, you could make the argument that it was the lack of depth, really, that that hurt the Dolphins. Um, you know, not being able to go to the bench, you know, four and five guys deep, and that game was a good microcosm of that. You know, the first ten minutes of that game, uh, CSI was tied seventeen seventeen after ten minutes. Uh, but then, of course, St. Thomas Aquinas started to show what their depth can do, what their players off the bench could do. Uh, a couple of fouls by CSI got them in a little bit of trouble. And, you know, the next thing you know, um, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas got themselves, I think, up by 16 at one point, And that was after the 10 minute mark of the first half. So um, I think in games like that and, you know, we're talking about, you know, not just a good um, Spartans team. You're talking about the class of the ECC for many years in a row now. They're either uh, have won championships or have been in the championship, I think, for the last five or six years. Um, so that is a great program and that is a huge measuring stick for the Dolphins. And, you know, those are the kind of games on the schedule that the Dolphins really had um, a highlighter on or an asterisk on to say, like, these are going to be our thermometers. These are going to be our measuring sticks. And, you know, if you're a CSI Dolphins fan, at least a fan who has, you know, a degree of perspective, the Dolphins came up short in that game, but that was a good indicator that the Dolphins were not that far away, not, you know, a half a step, a step, maybe a step and a half. But the bottom line is they hung. And like you mentioned, the middle part of the game, tail end of the first half, start of the second half. But really from there, there's a good 20, 25 minute stretch where the Dolphins were right there, neck and neck, starters versus starters. They had a lot to hang their heads up uh, about in that game. Certainly, Dave. And something else that we need to take away from that game, and something that shouldn't be forgotten from this past season across all of our across all of our sports, is that the Dolphins were without the benefit of scholarship athletes this year against their Division II opponents. And St. Thomas Aquinas, a perennial powerhouse in men's basketball in the ECC, does have scholarship players on their roster. And not only were the Dolphins lacking those scholarship athletes, but they did suffer injuries throughout the year as well. Men's basketball, one team that felt injuries sting their season and other teams throughout the year as well were plagued by injuries at times and for the Dolphins you mentioned the lack of depth when injuries pile on top of that and you're lacking those scholarship athletes and the additional depth that comes with it sometimes that can hurt you in games like this and I think as the game progressed the Dolphins really did find their footing but unfortunately it was too little too late and I think the lack of that scholarship talent on the team though they do have players that are certainly worthy of that money. And you look back this past season, Adiola Latunji winning a division two award in men's basketball. So certainly no, not on the players the Dolphins did have, but bringing in that additional scholarship talent this coming year and for years to come, we'll certainly see results change from what we saw in this game. The Dolphins dropping this one, I believe by 20 points, 86, 66. And I don't think we'll be seeing many more lopsided 20 point defeats at the hands of ECC competition moving forward for the Dolphins. The future certainly looks bright for CSI athletics and, that begins this year when they'll face the Spartans twice. Yeah, Dolphins only went seven deep in that game, and St. Thomas Aquinas shot over 50% uh, from the floor. So uh, a good chance to see what the Spartans are all about, too. If you go and revisit that game, uh, a good kind of a, you know prelude to what's to come for the Dolphins year in and year out. So, you know, Joe, that was 11 and 12 on the countdown. Um, you know, we don't want to give anything away, obviously, um, but top 10-wise, what are some of the the games that kind of stand out in, in your mind, what do you think uh, people are going to want to see down the road? Well, I got to start with men's basketball because typically our basketball broadcasts are among the most viewed with the St. Thomas Aquinas box score on my screen right now. I'm scrolling through the list of men's basketball games and 
early in the season, we had the home opener, Adiola Tunji scoring his 1,000th career point, and the Dolphins picking up their first victory against a Division II opponent at home in New York Tech. So that's certainly one that I think we can expect to see on the countdown. And of course, games like our Tournament of Heroes matchup against Curry College certainly can make an appearance on the countdown and continuing to scroll through. We have many of those CUNYAC games at home on our schedule. The Dolphins reignited some heated rivalries with rivals from their former conference games against John Jay, Lehman, Brooklyn, Medgar Evers. So many games against CUNYAC opponents, one of which was a one-point game against Hunter College. That game, a one-point defeat. Had it gone the other way, I think it might be a bit high on the countdown, but we'll see if that game didn't end up making the cut. But taking a glance at the men's basketball schedule, I think those are a few games we, we could expect to see on our countdown moving forward. Yeah, and I will say that uh, what two that I would like to see on the countdown were two of my personal favorite games. I was in uh, attendance for both of them. The first one, we we just referenced it a little while ago with women's soccer, was that game against Concordia University. That was a fun game. Um, I, I may or may not have been on the call for that game, but that was a fun game. I remember just it was it was offense when it needed to be offense. There was defense when they needed. There were some good goalkeeper saves in that game. That was a truly entertaining game from start to finish. And just a kind of quick synopsis, Concordia took a quick 2-0 lead in that game. Might have been the first 10 minutes. Dolphins just scratched and scratched away. They they tied the game. Um, I think it was 3-3 at one point. Concordia scored a goal to uh, to win it. Uh, spoiler alert. But, um, but yeah, that was a really entertaining game. And the other one I was definitely on the air for was the double overtime win that CSI had against Curry. Uh, you know, that was... That was a, a it was a frustrating game to call, Joe, because the Dolphins had a big lead in that game late and they squandered it. And I remember being on the air saying that the Dolphins have just kind of let this game get away from them and they're probably going to lose it. Uh, but then they came storming back and they hit back and they punched back. What a game that was. And um, if that's not in the top 10, I'm going to be really surprised. Um, but anyway, uh, those are two games that really stand out on on my list. I'm sure just because of memory, I'm missing, you know, uh, two or three other no-brainers. Uh, obviously, the NYIT game is is a huge one as well. So, um, so yeah, there was some definite um, you know focal points, um, and I think it it comes with the with the with the saying that we just love bringing it to to folks. We we love you guys watching it, and um, and we hope you enjoy the countdown the rest of the way. Well, I just took a look back at that women's soccer game against Concordia on our YouTube page, and it was you and I on the call for that yes, game. Yes, nice. M- may very well have been the only <laughs> women's soccer game we both called, but I knew I was on the air for that one, so I had to check and see if it was you alongside me, and indeed it was. And another great game that I was on the call for, men's soccer game against Concordia as well. That was another yeah, game yeah. that was very close, a one-goal game. And it's I think an the overtime Dolphins game, dropped right? that game in overtime. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the Dolphins dropped that game in overtime, so a couple of tough losses to Concordia this year, one for our men's soccer program, one for our women's soccer program, but easily two of the most entertaining broadcasts of the year. And I just can't help but smile looking back and still from this game, women's soccer against Concordia, me calling the game in a hat and sunglasses, something I did quite often. <laughs> looking at back on it now on video, it's, it, it puts a smile on my face just to see that. I just find it funny for some reason <laughs> looking at myself completely in the shade, no need for them, but hat and sunglasses and all. So couldn't leave the, the Ray-Bans behind in the office, I guess, but that was definitely a game that I have fond memories calling. I remember that game being one of the more entertaining games that we covered this season. I'm happy to see that it's you and I on the call 
hopefully it makes the countdown for that reason, if no other. All right. Well, well said. Uh, we're about a half hour deep into our reminiscing special here, top 10 style. We talked about the Sportsnet top 10. Let's take a very short break, come back. And when we do, we will talk about Flashback Friday. This is something that we've been doing for several years now. And today, obviously, uh, corresponding to this show, we debuted numbers uh, 11 through 13, the near misses uh, that just missed. Joe and I will talk about those near misses and talk about what we think will make our top 10 beginning next week. It's all coming up after this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division II, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com, episode 24. This is June 19th, 2020. It's the week prior to our official start of uh, Flashback Fridays on CSIDolphins.com. Starting next Friday, we will have number 10 on the top 10 list. We'll give you a teaser as to what that is at the end of this segment. But Joe, today... We debuted three on the CSIDolphins.com homepages and, of course, on our social media pages, numbers 13 through 11. Um, CSI made several trips to, um, you know, distinguished uh, places on Staten Island. They visited with Borough President James Otto, Stephen Mateo, uh, Max Rose. Uh, so that was number 13, that kind of uh, Staten Island tour to celebrate their move to Division Two. You had the track and field for the final time at the CUNY Championship. Uh, they couldn't score as a team, but they took two gold medals there, Stephanie De Silva and Domenico Natale, uh, both taking gold in throwing events, tremendous uh, finishes, first ever gold medals by CSI um, uh, at the track and field championships. And you had uh, men's and women's swimming uh, at the Metropolitan Championships at season's end. Uh, the men finishing seventh, their highest finish ever, and of course, the women setting in a record in the 800 free relay event. So uh, swimming always tries to save its best for last, Joe, and they did there. Three really great moments this past year. Well, let's start with a look back at number 13. You mentioned the D2 visits to the offices of various local politicians. And you know, I think one of the things I remember most about those visits, and unfortunately, it really doesn't have much to do with the visits themselves, it's that I'm not in any of the photos because I was the photographer for many of those visits. So all those great shots you see of those visits, well, I shouldn't say all, but some of them were taken by me. I'm behind the camera. Mm. You got to be in most of those shots. Or Though I think there was one visit I missed where you may have taken the photo because I don't recall seeing you in that particular shot. But yeah, it was Mateo's visits office. Still, it was, yes, that, that's it. So those visits still, especially the very first one, a bit longer than the others, much more than a photo op in that first visit. Our athletes got to interact and speak and listen to several of the politicians who did come in. It wasn't just James Otto, who was there giving word or speaking words to the athletes, there were several others who joined us as well for that event. And I believe he came in with some props as well, if I'm not mistaken, yep. to open the event. So a bit more than just a traditional politician speech. And 
that was certainly one of the ones that I have fond memories of. Yeah, it was nice. That was a, th- those were three nice things. And I think it's, it's really, you know, those, those moments are very rare, but it's great to see how our, you know, um, political leaders on the island, no matter what background they're from, uh, you know, especially in today's climate of Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, we can all celebrate the same things sometimes. And, and granted, those, those undercurrents were not on display, uh, when we made these visits, but it's just a matter of put, being able to put your arm around a fellow Staten Islander and celebrate, uh, some of the great things that are happening on the island. And one of those celebrations was to move to division two. I mean, some, some places, Joe, make these announcements and it's like, oh, all right, whatever, you know, it's, they're just another face in the crowd. But, you know, Staten Island takes everything that happens on its island very, very personally and very seriously. And so the Dolphins move, you know, we know how big athletics is on the island between youth sports and high school and college as, as Staten Island's only public institution of higher learning. This was a major, major step. It's a major cog in making sure that the island's best athletes stay on the island. And it's also a chance to bring in uh, talent from off the island, whether it's the neighboring boroughs, uh, you know, the upper regions of New York and downstate. Uh, and also, of course, from from other states completely or down south in Florida, we have recruits coming from Texas. So it's a celebration of that type uh, of move as well and something uh, we were really proud of. Absolutely. And as you said, Dave, Staten Island, a very tight knit community and seeing that our local politicians are very invested in our move to Division Two and we're so supportive along the way is very encouraging. And I think also another example of that was our legacy night that we hosted earlier this year. I believe that was in the end of January, January 30th, if I'm not mistaken. But Legacy and I also seeing many of them turn out in support of CSI Athletics. And not to be lost in this as well as how much of a recruiting tool this is. When we see the prominence, or I should say when prospective student athletes see the prominence of athletics on Staten Island and how invested the community is in the College of Staten Island, you mentioned the only public institution of higher learning on, on the island. When students see that, that's a very attractive option that they have in the College of Staten Island. And I think that a lot of the content we push has something to do with that, all of our great coaches, the great facilities. So much goes into that, but I think this definitely plays a role as well. Yeah, and Joe, you and I are alums of the College of Staten Island as well, so I know uh, how personal it is for for the two of us. Um, Division Two was a new venture for CSI. So was track and field, to be honest. Many years as a club program, but the last two years as an official varsity program. And as an official varsity program, first two gold medals for CSI track and field in throwing events. Stephanie De Silva, the senior who, as I understand it, Joe, is coming back as a graduate student on, on track and field this next year, um, takes the gold medal in, in her throwing events. And, and uh, Domenico Natale uh, does it as well. So Two gold medalists, uh, both in throwing events, um, uh, waiting and shot put, and uh, just just um, you know just a tremendous job by those two. And and you know we can't forget that there were some other um, you know really razor thin finishes. I know uh, Rebecca Deloya came in in second place, Jared Nusser as well. So you know just a, a great showing at the CUNYs. and it was good enough for number twelve on our list, track and field, with a tremendous showing at the championships. All right. I got there just in time. I was going to try and find all of the top finishes from that event. You mentioned a couple right there, but Jared Nusser had a first place finish in the 400 meter dash. And I have to admit, I'm cheating. I'm using the Instagram post I created. (laughs) They they certainly made it a very busy work. I actually remember doing these posts and creating these. This was done from home on a, a couple of days where I was out sick in early March at the same time baseball was down in Myrtle Beach. So it was a very busy Monday and Tuesday that week. And I was spending it 
bedridden sick, but this is one of the projects I worked on during those couple of days. And you mentioned Domenico Natale with a first place finish in shot, but also Spencer Melito finishing second in the 5,000 meter run. Rebecca Deloya, second place in the 60 meter dash. Danae Wilson, second place finish in the 200 meter dash. Christiana Adrania, third place in the 800 meter run. So a lot of Dolphins making their way onto the podium at the conclusion of their respective events. And certainly one of the highlights of the season for track and field, their performance at the Kuniak Championship. Yeah, absolutely. Several uh, records were broken uh, during those events as well. And uh, just a great event and definitely a springboard uh, for the track and field program. The very next week, I think it was the next week or two weekends later, they participated in the ECC championships as well. And that was, uh, you know, just a great closing run uh, for track and field. We're so dismayed that they didn't get a chance to showcase it during their outdoor season, but during indoors, they were absolutely splendid. And then um, staying indoors, but in the pool area, you had uh, swimming and diving, you know, uh, swimming and diving in a tough spot because the ECC, the East Coast Conference does not support uh, men's and women's swimming. There's just not enough, um, you know, teams that, that, that are involved in that or that have those programs. But CSI is a member of the Metropolitan Swim Conference. In fact, head coach Michael Akalaitis is the president of the Metropolitan Swim Conference. And uh, seventh place finish, you kind of look at that and say, hmm, seventh place, uh, you know, is that is that really that high? It's the highest CSI has ever, has ever fared at the Metros. And it's incredibly, um, uh, it, it's an incredible thought considering that the Metro Swim Swim Conference is made up of Division One, Division Two, and Division Three programs. So CSI is in the pool with all of those programs, um, you know. And uh, the seventh place finish is phenomenal. And of course, you add to the fact that the women broke a record there. Uh, great, great showing for the swimming and diving team. The perfect end to their season. Well, you mentioned that seventh place finish, and when you look at that in terms of where that would position them in CUNYAC, it may not seem that impressive, but. You just said it, Dave, competing with Division One, Two, and Three teams in the pool, a seventh-place finish for the men, certainly not something to be overlooked. The record-breaking finish, also a big part of why this event made its way onto our list. And I referenced it earlier in the show, the success of swimming and diving this season extending beyond the pool as well and into the classroom. I mentioned a couple of 4.0 GPAs and the stellar academic numbers for both the men's and women's team this season academically. And then that academic success extends beyond swimming and diving to many of our other programs, but swimming and diving traditionally has been one of those programs that excels year to year. We've seen them have CUNYAC scholarship of the athlete award recipients on more than one occasion. So for that program, more success in the pool, but that's combined with great success in the classroom as well. Yep. And uh, that record that they broke was on the women's side. It was the 800 free relay. Melissa Pagioli, um, Sabella Wasserman, Cecilia Morrow, and Kathleen Bridgman, the MVP, uh, coming in at 8 minutes, 51.07 seconds. That's a new record. It was achieved at the Metros. And I think, um, you know, if you're going to attest the seventh place finish on the men's side to anything, it's really uh, attested to the depth. I mean, uh, swimmers like Michael Blacharski, who just blew blew up his former career career best as a junior, uh, just doing a phenomenal job. Um, uh, Michael Stora, obviously. Uh, Peter Carl, 
um, you know, just so many great performances. And it was the Dolphins being able to put up points and in relay events as well. Um, so just just a great job all around. And, you know, we talked about track and field making a statement in their championship. CSI men's and women's swim programs making a statement as well in their respective championship. And we know we're going to keep our eye on that program as they continue to recruit. Um, you know, Joe, those were the the three on the outside looking in. Uh, three tremendous dates and three tremendous moments, it can only lead us to assume that our top 10 is just going to be a powerhouse of, of different events and highlights. No doubt about that. A lot of firsts this season with it being our provisional year one in NCAA Division Two. a lot of first victories over D2 opponents, whether it be in program history or in one case in the history of CSI Athletics. We'll see where some of those games fall if they made the cut. We also had several games throughout the year that made it just based on the competitive nature of those games. You mentioned games like men's basketball against Curry. That certainly could be on the list. We had women's basketball really routing Hunter College, another game that was among the nominees for inclusion on our Flashback Friday list. So several different events that weren't necessarily institution first or team first that made the cut as well. But we'll have a jam-packed Flashback Friday list coming up this year, year one of NCAA provisional period being a big part of the reason why. Yeah, we should mention that the way the Flashback Friday works is that um, every staffer at, in the CSI Athletics Department uh, has a chance to vote on their top 10 moments in our year. Those votes are then tallied and and a point system is awarded for whoever has, you know, first place votes, second place votes, etc. And um, those those are pulled together. And that's the way the top 10 is formed. So it's of it's of no one person's doing. So Joe and I don't get together and say, hey, this should be number one. Let's make it number one. Uh, this is every staffer on in CSI athletics contributing. And and that's what makes it so great. That's what makes it fun. Um, and so we get a chance to kind of to kind of preview those one by one. Our teaser for next week is uh, a fall first. So we're going to concentrate in the fall semester and it's going to be a first of sorts. I'm not going to tell you anything more beyond that. But but Joe, without letting any cats out of the bag, uh, what moments are you hoping to see on the Flashback Friday Top 10? I think we covered a lot of them already in our Sportsnet Top 10. We had several competitive games. The Dolphins came up on the short end. So it's unlikely we'll see some of those on the list, though they were among the nominees. Taking a look back, we had milestone games like Adiola Latunji's 1,000th career point. I mentioned before, Legacy Night being a big part of our year. This past athletic season, we had several program firsts, whether it be men's soccer picking up their first win, or I should say the institution's first win as a D2 institution over a Division II opponent. We had baseball picking up their first win over a D2 opponent. Men's basketball doing the same in that game where Adiola Latunji scored his 1,000th career point. So there are plenty of firsts that I think we can expect to be on the list as well. Excellent. Yeah, I I, uh, I just have to say I, I agree with you. I think that uh, there are so many great, great highlights, but I think the ones that stand out, you know, we mentioned uh, what we, we didn't mention baseball. Uh, they had a big win in Myrtle Beach against the Division II team. I think it was might have been their first game of the season. I can't I can't truly remember, uh, even though it was it was not that long ago. In fact, it was probably our last games played. They followed up with a victory against Mercy, uh, a future ECC team as well. So baseball joins that list of of teams that have beaten, you know, future ECC rivals. So uh, great stuff there. You know, um, uh, you mentioned Legacy Night, obviously, was was definitely a highlight. Uh, you know, usually our awards banquet is up there. Uh, it wasn't this year, but those like um, 
those those events that sometimes are not a part of the actual athletics program, those can make the list as well. So so I'm I'm looking forward, uh, you know, to counting down. We get a sneak peek at what what's coming next week because we build everything out, and of course we have to get a guest for next week. So we're not going to tell you who that is, uh, but we know um, we have a special guest coming up next week who will usher in our flashback Friday with us and talk about uh, that particular event, the fall first here at CSI. So uh, Joe, listen, I know that uh, you're only going to be with us for, for a couple of shows. I know that you've on last week's show, you've announced your resignation. uh, But the bottom line is, you know, you still get a chance to relive that memory with us next week. And, and, you know, hopefully we could share some more of your experiences as well in the, in the, in the week ahead. Certainly will. And hopefully there'll be a bit more, in the future, memories with CSI Athletics. I hope I'm not too much of a stranger down the line, but it'll certainly be great to look back fondly on some of my best memories from my time with CSI Athletics over the last five years. And much of that has been a part of CSI Sportsnet. And on this program this past year, the Dolphin Pod certainly something that I enjoyed recording every week. And we had many guests. And it's always great to look back with some of our student-athletes, specifically on mo- very memorable games. And we'll get a chance to do that next week with our mystery guest as we reveal number 10 in our Flashback Friday countdown. Awesome. So uh, that should do it for, for us this week. We, we glad that you uh, decided to hang in with Joe and I as we, did, we were guest-free here on episode uh, number 24. Uh, but the summer approaches. I think the, the 21st is the first official day of summer. We got Father's Day weekend. The sun has been coming out. It's been great. Uh, Joe, there's been a lot of traffic from Staten Island crossing over to my my neck of the woods here because the Jersey Shore is open, at least for the most part. Um, so it's the official start of summer, um, and we hope to be a an, uh, you know a mainstay of that summer with our with our fans here on CSIDolphins.com every Friday. Flashback Friday and the Dolphin Pod go hand in hand. No doubt. And we invite all of our viewers to tune in to CSIDolphins.com backslash podcast. As you mentioned, every Friday, each episode of the Dolphin Pod typically goes live between about 12 and 2 p.m. And with each Friday for the next 10 weeks, we will be revealing another member of our top 10 moments of the year flashback Friday. Every Tuesday, you can check out our social media platforms and CSIDolphins.com for Sportsnet top 10s as well. Absolutely. And we should mention that the Dolphin Pod is now available for streaming on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and several other entities. So no matter where you are and uh, what you're tuning in with, whether it's your MacBook, your iPad, uh, your smartphone, uh, we are just one click away. And of course, all of our podcasts are available uh, for download for later listening. So uh, for Joe Foreman, I am David Pizzuto wishing you a very good rest of weekend. We'll see you next week here on the Dolphin Pod, where we start officially our Flashback Friday countdown. From all of us here at the Dolphin Pod, we uh, wish you a very uh, great weekend. You've been listening to the Dolphin Pod. Remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show and check out our archive broadcast throughout the year. If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show, or have an idea for a show guest, be sure to leave us feedback, as well as catch all of our shows right here at CSIDolphins.com backslash podcasts. From all of us here at the College of Staten Island, thank you for listening to The Dolphin Pod.